This is Decoding Security, a podcast from Microsoft Australia about how to protect your business from the ever-changing threat of cybercrime. On the show, you'll hear from leaders in cybersecurity as well as Microsoft experts as we break down strategies to help keep your business secure. I'm your host, Mark Anderson, and I'm the Chief Security Officer here at Microsoft Australia. In today's episode, we'll take a deep dive into recovery and remediation. Kelly Taylor, the Security, Identity and Compliance Services Lead at Microsoft, is joined by Bronwyn Mercer, a security solutions architect working in Microsoft Consulting Services, along with Andrew Lyons, a principal consultant with the Compromise Recovery Security Practice here at Microsoft. You'll hear the panel discuss the basics of compromise recovery, some of the challenges that an organization faces during an incident, and we'll break down the three stages to recovery. Now it's over to Kelly to start the conversation. Let's kick off and get stuck right in. I'm gonna start with you, Andrew. What is compromise recovery? It's sort of like the emergency department of the incident response process. So incident response, which is what most people are familiar with, is really sort of the ambulance part of the story where the organization is currently under attack. They need to try and respond immediately, do that initial triage. Whereas compromise recovery is really about getting the patient stable. So we really focus on regaining control of the environment, whereas incident response is really still stuck on the how and what has gone on. One of the other contrasts is that incident response is very reactive, whereas compromise recovery is a more considered approach to stabilizing the situation. How does compromise recovery differ from incident response, Bronwyn? For sure. I think Andrew summed it up really nicely with the analogy in respect to the ambulance versus the emergency department. So the incident response team is kind of like the paramedics who are first on the scene They'll resuscitate the patient and make sure that they've got the vital signs of life. Whereas the compromise recovery is more like the emergency department. So the skilled surgeon who comes in, evaluates the situation and performs actions in a very considered, prioritized way to make sure that the actual root cause of the issue is completely addressed. So the patient's not going to be back in the emergency department again within the next couple of weeks. So I think that analogy is probably the best way to describe it. In in compromise recovery, we really do perform a prioritized list of tasks to make sure that an organization who's gone through an incident is able to go back to business as usual operations and continue supporting their users and their staff through their key activities. And just thinking about that prioritized list of tasks, can you detail those tasks, thinking back to some of the incidents that you've worked on in the past? What's your approach? In terms of the key tasks, we really break it down into several pieces. One of the very key ones is tactical monitoring. We can't fight what we can't see. So this is a very important activity that is start right at the beginning of compromise recovery and it flows through to the end and actually often beyond. We also perform an analysis of directory structure, so Active Directory or Azure Active Directory, which leads to what we call disposition. That's really where we deprivilege users and computers and harden the computers in the environment. And finally, we lead to an eviction event. So there are some things we can't do during the analysis and the lead up stage because it will be too disruptive for the customer. So we plan those disruptive activities around what we call an eviction event. 
one thing I would also add to performing the technical aspects of the recovery would be working closely with the organization to put together a recovery plan, which is essentially that prioritized list of activities, which is going to help the organization to get back to a stable state again. And we put a lot of work into making sure that that recovery plan is tailored based on the scope of the compromise as part of the initial investigation and looking at the incident response report, which would have been generated by the IR team. We take into consideration the root cause of the compromise and then put together a simple list of actions which needs to be done during something called the eviction period to make sure that the attacker is completely eradicated from the environment. And in many cases, we are working in the environment when the attacker is still quite active and they could potentially be changing things. So maintaining a level of stealth is quite important during the compromise recovery to make sure that we're not tipping our hat to the attacker and giving them an indication that that eviction window is coming where their access is going to be completely cut off. And I'm curious, from your perspective, what's unique about Microsoft's approach to compromise recovery? Firstly, we actually separate, at least mentally, the incident response and the compromise recovery activities. So it's really a transition or passing of the baton from the incident response team through to the compromise recovery team. Some other organizations that work in the same field, they often see it as a continuum, but we focus on very different things between the two activities, which is why we transition between the two. One of the very key things that we call out though, is that we focus on identity as part of compromise recovery. And that's probably one of the key distinctions. Why do you just focus on the identity platform in a compromise recovery? Why is the focus on identity? It's important to highlight the level of influence that the identity platform has over the entire environment. So in enterprise environments, particularly technologies like Active Directory and Azure Active Directory are the control plane for access control across the entire environment. So it's a very attractive target for attackers because if they're able to gain control of the identity system, it essentially gives them a centralized place that they can use to exert control over the environment. They can potentially use it to install backdoors and then regain access again, even after we've performed the initial remediation work. So we really focus on the identity platform because we only have a small amount of time to perform recovery and we want to prioritize the most high value actions. And so we do focus on the identity platform as that essential place where the attacker is most likely to be exerting control over the environment. And that allows us to then eliminate the possibility that they'll continue to use that high privilege to steal data or perform whatever activities they came for in the first place. Question for both of you, and I'll start with you, Andrew. What's the most challenging part of your role? There are a couple of ways of looking at it. From the technical perspective, customers have a lot of technical debt that they typically have. Every organization, regardless of what they do or how small or large they are, have a certain degree of challenge with their IT rollout. Could be getting a little bit old, may not be maintained as well, and so on. And as part of a compromise recovery, we're often forced to uplift some of those technologies. For example, patching domain controllers or bringing them forward to a higher version of Windows in order to maintain support and configure them securely. Another challenge is that the business is actually running while we're trying to do the compromise recovery work. So the business has actually been through a difficult time already with the initial incident. So the last thing we want to do is further disrupt the business while we're making the necessary changes that we're planning to do. Another challenge is maintaining stealth. 
ideally we don't want the attacker to know that we're actually working in the environment. The reason for that is if they discover that, they may respond aggressively and perform a disruptive attack, or they might disappear on us. So what we're really wanting to do is be able to do our work and lead up to that eviction day where we can actually very precisely and rapidly perform those final hardening tasks. And Bronwyn, with a few, I guess, the human aspects of managing a security incident and recovery process. So Andrew touched on a lot of the technical challenges that we would generally face when helping a customer recover from compromise. But you have to also keep in mind that going through a security incident is an extremely chaotic time for the organization. Generally, their business operations are being disrupted and communication can be difficult across multiple parties who are involved in assisting with the compromise recovery. So we've got not only Microsoft helping that particular organization, but potentially the organization's other vendors who are also assisting with recovery. So that's a key challenge that we face. A second challenge I would say is making sure that we keep focus on the compromise recovery because there are only very limited resources. And so it can become difficult once especially key technical staff become preoccupied with their business as usual tasks and the variety of work going on to maintain focus on that coordinated and prioritized set of actions that needs to occur to bring the company back to a stable state. So it's not just the technical aspects. There's also a lot of complex human aspects and communication, stakeholder management aspects that need to be coordinated to make sure that the compromise recovery is a success. Once the incident's been fully remediated, what's the next steps? Microsoft views the process as really a three stages to recovery. We have the incident response, we have the compromise recovery, and then we lead into what's called a strategic recovery. We use a three horizons model for the strategic recovery. So the lead architect for the compromise recovery exercise will put together some guidance and recommendations, which are divided into three groups or the horizons. So we've got the short-term activities, medium, and then long-term. Those short-term activities typically focus on the identity stack related work. So maybe securing backups for Active Directory, making sure that there's not a security vulnerability remaining there, maybe securing the hypervisor platform and so on. Once that work is complete, we move into the medium-term activities, and that focuses more on the business services or the services that actually support the business, maybe databases, which is a typical example. Because we've only focused on identity and compromise recovery, it is possible that there are still issues with those other systems in the environment. So the recommendation is to move on to those other high-value assets and secure them for the future. Looking out for the longer term, we may also include, for example, a cloud adoption roadmap because there are some benefits with using cloud technologies to harden up your security footing. For example, you may have extra monitoring capabilities, extra backup options. Even moving workloads into the cloud become a way of actually supplying extra resilience. And Bronwyn, do you have anything to add? So there's a couple of extra things that I would call out, which are performing a lessons learned session after the incident has been remediated to really look back and see why did the incident happen in the first place? What was the root cause? And what was learned throughout the recovery project? So something which is often neglected as part of response and recovery is going through the process of engaging all your technical and business stakeholders and getting their feedback on what worked well or what didn't work well. 
this is actually an important phase that's included as part of many incident response and security risk management methodologies, including the NIST cybersecurity framework and the SANS incident response framework, which is an actual dedicated lessons learned phase, which looks back at what happened. And as part of that lessons learned activity, you can essentially put together a prioritized list of activities that need to go forward into the future. This is not even Microsoft specific. It's more about evaluating what were the downfalls of the organization perhaps in the past that had led to the incident and what are the things which could be improved, both technology, people and process related improvements that can be implemented in the future. So I think that kind of reflection period is a really important stage to remember as part of your recovery process so that you are continuously improving as you go into the future. You've been listening to Decoding Security, a show about how to protect your business from the ever-changing threat of cybercrime. This podcast is brought to you by Microsoft Australia. Microsoft Australia provides a comprehensive suite of end-to-end security solutions unified across people, devices, apps, and data. For more information, visit the website microsoft.com forward slash decoding security. This podcast was made with strategy and production support from Wavelength Creative. To make sure you don't miss an episode of Decoding Security, be sure to subscribe to or follow the show in your podcast app. And while you're there, leave us a five-star review. It really helps others find the show. I'm Mark Anderson, and we'll be back next episode with more Decoding Security. Decoding Security.